You're listening to the Pre-Hospital Care Podcast on the Medics Academy Network. In this episode, we meet an ex-patient, Matt Masson. Nine years ago, Matt sustained a life-threatening head injury, falling 26 feet from a roof onto a floor. We reunite him in this episode with flight paramedic Mike Nolan, who recalls the, the account from the night in November 2011. And then we just uh, journey and track uh, Matt's rehabilitation and recovery through the last nine years. It's a fantastic story, a real inspiration, uh, despite and through adversity. And so I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, my name is Mike Nolan. Uh, I am a currently working as a paramedic in the Middle East. Uh, my current role in is a bit of a binary role. It involves uh, primary acute helicopter rescue, but also um, crucial care repatriation domestically and internationally by rotary and fixed wing. Um, history, uh, I used to work with Owen in the London Ambulance Service as a paramedic, and we actually went to university together. Um, and we worked with, with each other in the London Ambulance Service for probably over a decade, uh, which also included some time spent on London's Air Ambulance, um, where we both did some comments. Uh, my comment was from uh, 2009 to till I left to about around 2013, um, to when I moved to the Middle East, and here I currently am and have been since 2013. Fantastic, fantastic, Mike. Thanks for that. And so, Matt, um, would you would you uh, like just to introduce yourself, mate, and then just a little bit of background? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, my name is Matt Masson. Uh, I'm 32, um, and I yeah. So, um, so I used to be I used to be a qualified um, ski windsurf and sailing instructor. Uh, I used to live. So like I grew up in like in France, Germany, and Switzerland. And then when I when I left school, I was to work in in uh, France, uh, the city Isles, in Australia. So in the summer, I used to work as a winter up and sailing instructor. And in the winter, I used to uh, work in a bar in in France, in Cochabar. Um, and then so I was I just got back from city Isles that summer in two thousand and eleven. Um, I was in England for so so b- between seasons I used to be either in England or Switzerland or wherever just visiting friends, uh, and I was in England, uh, in London, on uh, November the twenty seventh, two thousand eleven, uh, and then my friends like, oh, I want to come out, and I said, oh, it's my old flatmate's birthday, I didn't really know her, but I was like, I was like, okay, yeah, so I went out with my, he was a really good friend of mine, so I went out with him. Uh, yeah, and then um, I I don't remember much from this, but apparently, and then we like apparently went on like a pub crawl in Camden, and then we ended up in Proud, which has some Proud Galleries, which is like a nightclub thing. Uh, and then, and then I, now I don't remember anything. This is all from things. But I basically I think I met a girl, and then I was I was probably showing off and being like, oh, I'm a freestyle ski. Um, and then and then I. Uh, I climbed over a fence and walked on some corrugated plastic and fell through it like 26 feet, I think, um, onto my head. And then, and then I, and then probably Mike knows a lot more <laughs> for me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this was, this was nine years ago, uh, Matt. So, um, nine years ago, 2011. Um, yeah. and so you fell 26 feet from a corrugated sort of roof, plastic, yeah. plastic roof, uh, onto the floor. And, 
for anyone um, who's a clinician um, or otherwise, 26 feet is roughly almost about three floors, so three stories, uh, which is an absolutely a significant um, uh, height to fall. Um, and so this was this was in in the proud gallery uh, nightclub, which I don't think it, it I don't think the proud nightclub uh, exists anymore. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, like I wouldn't really rank it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it, yeah, no, I, I went back. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Like, yeah. Okay, and this was at a night at night time, um, um, in November in two thousand eleven, um, to which Mike was on. Uh, a Hems car, so the helicopter emergency medical service night shift, um, cruising around the streets of London um, with with the doctor. So, Mike, when you got dispatched to this uh, to 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 Matt, um, what did you sort of turn up to when you arrived? Well, it's interesting when um, when Frank um, Frank Chegge was the liaison nurse for London's Air Ambulance when he got in touch um, with me recently to tell me about the story. And I had to think for a minute about the call, but it actually came back to me and I have quite vivid memories of uh, what happened that night, which is quite strange because, you know, over the course of our succumbers, we would have probably done scores of these type of calls, Matt, actually, because the type of call that we went to, um, what we would call a fall from height would be a very popular call for us to attend. Um, so the premise of uh, what we would do is we would be basically driving around certain areas of London and just waiting for a call. And I think from speaking to Frank, we, we, we happen to be close by. So even if we were in central London to Camden, I think <clears throat> uh, approximately six, seven minutes we were on scene, something like that. So a, quite a quick response for us to get on scene. And I remember it being a bitterly cold night. Um, and obviously our London... Uh, uh, London Ambulance Service colleagues were on scene. And the first thing I, I, I remember is that um, I think we had problems with the airway. Um, so, Matt, I don't. I hope you don't mind me speaking uh, about this, but um, I think that your, your airway was quite difficult to manage. Um, there could be several reasons for this. Um, and I think at the time, we, we were quickly able to find out that it was a primary... It was a primary head injury. Um, I don't think you had any other significant injuries, Matt. Is that correct? Uh, I, I, no, not really. I, I think I broke my left wrist and I messed up. Yeah, my but you, you, I don't think you had any chest injuries or what we would call long bone fractures or pelvic fractures. So I think it was an isolated head injury, which which can make our job a little bit easier. Um, and I do distinctly remember, <clears throat> I think I, I tried to manage the airway uh, myself and it was quite difficult, possibly because of some trismus. Uh, so I think possibly your teeth were quite clenched shut, um, and so, so which partially blocks your airway and uh, impedes your, your, your ventilation. Um, and basically, uh, not great ventilation, not great oxygenation. So I think between myself and, and Dr. Louisa Chan, who was working with me that night, it was quite a black and white uh, decision for us that it was uh, it was going to be a pre-hospital anaesthetic um, for several reasons. Um, and just going back and for the audience's um, interest, this isn't something that we just decide to do. We work with very, very strict standard operating procedures. Um, so the way we would have carried out this anaesthetic that you would have had, Matt, is... Uh, 
we carried out in a very, very strict way according to a standard operating procedure, excuse me. Um, so it's done, when, when we've done it for you, we would do it for every patient the exact same way. So that uh, it, 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 it kind of makes the, it makes the whole procedure a lot easier for us and it prevents us from making mistakes. Um, Owen might be able to speak about it a bit more, but um, I won't digress into it too much. But basically, uh, it was quite quickly diagnosed that you had obviously a, a primary brain injury, possibly evolving secondary brain injury. Your GCS was three. Um, you were completely unresponsive. And obviously, you had some alcohol on board, probably a lot of alcohol on board. Um, and your GCS was three and you had a difficult airway. Um, other than that, I, as I said, I think it was an isolated head injury. Um, from what I remember, it was quite a swift and slick uh, rapid sequence induction. It was quite quick. Um, I can't remember exactly how long we were on scene, but we do try to be on scene for less than 20 minutes. Um, and to carry out this procedure, which Owen will describe is, is quite a tricky and, and potentially dangerous procedure, um, to do that in less than 20 minutes and be left to scene is, is actually quite good. Um, we don't want to be there for too much longer. So quite a slick and quick RSI and a swift transfer down to the Royal London. Um, and I think we made some inquiries after that, but I think that was the last time we had any contact and that's uh, almost 10 years ago. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my account um, Owen so far and um, just a brief run around of what happened um, and obviously Matt might be able to tell us exactly what injuries he had sustained and I might be able to then key that back to his clinical presentation. So Matt can you remember um, just from when you started to come around can you remember what what injuries that, that you sustained from from that fall? So I remember obviously mainly the head <laughs> um uh when i woke up i couldn't walk talk or anything i couldn't really move i think it only moved but we got my fingers on my right hand um and then i had my my left my I had one of my one of my ankles was in like a cast but like a like a solid cast like a removal cut but that was i think that was that might have been from being in in a coma and in a bed but then, but then i so i had my my left wrist was broken which is still my left hand, my left arm is still really weak, but I think that might be more the brain than the broken wrist. Um, so I had to add that. I had a, a frozen shoulder, uh, which I'm sure you guys know what it is. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, and, and then the head. So like, cause I, someone told me like, a doctor told me what, um, what fractures I had or whatever. And I think it was just the left wrist, but then my skull a bunch of times. So. So like it doesn't really sound that that much, but it was quite a lot. Obviously, dead. Yeah, absolutely. And to have significant skull fractures with, as Mike said, a secondary brain injury. So the primary brain injury is the fall, the twenty sixth feet foot fall, um, and then the secondary brain injury is everything that Mike was saying around the 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 lack of oxygen, the hypoxia, the trismus, so the the the, the clenched teeth, and then and then the ensuing sort of bleed on the brain and or uh, skull fractures which lead to lead to potentially bleeding in the brain so that sounds like a really significant injury load actually matt and so 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 just to hit hit pause for a second so when you did wake up you had you were completely nonverbal. 
you said you had no sensation and or movement. The only movement you had was in your right fingertips um, yeah. and, and you couldn't move the rest of your body. Is, is, that, is that right? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, but then like, but I remember cause like, because I was basically, I was in, I was in the Royal London, but, uh, I went until I booked my mom, sent me a thing, um, sent me a sheet of an email. Uh, I was until I was in HDU until the 7th of January. And then I moved to Chichester on the 12th of January, weighing 55 kilograms on wow. <laughs> um, uh, and then, yeah, and then so. And then I sort of, when I woke up, but it wasn't like a, like a sudden, like I was like awake. It was just like a really gradual thing. And I, 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 but then like, I wasn't really like, I mean, obviously it was really bad, but I wasn't really like, I did, I don't think I really like was conscious that I couldn't really talk and move over. I just kind of like, I don't know. I, like the, the thing I remember was I had friends, cause I, obviously, like I said, I've been, I sort of lived and worked all over the world and I had friends coming from all over the place. And like, and some of that, and because I kind of don't see friends for like years because I'm moving it up. And so then I had like friends visiting from like all over the place. And I was like, oh, it's good to see you. So <laughs> but I, didn't, I didn't say that, but I thought in my head. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, but like, I don't really remember. Um, yeah, like it sounds like I'm making it up, but I, I don't remember being that stressed about it because it was pretty, if I, by, yeah, I, I couldn't talk or really move much but i was still i was i had friends and family there so i was, was right wow wow so so you started to um so regain consciousness and yeah. so matt was there was there any point at which you could when could you first communicate with with your family um either by writing or by how did how did you first communicate with them so uh, first of all, apparently, um, they had like a, um, like a, like a, like a board, like a cardboard bit of sheet or whatever. And, and they had to, to like, um, point whatever. And apparently, so I don't know, you guys can know more, but, um, <laughs> I think, I think I was like, I was still technically in a, like in the DCS whatever, everything, whatever. Um, but, uh, apparently when I was in the Royal London, which I don't remember anything of, which I don't, I don't think I was really that. I was really in and out of the thing, uh, and and the nurse came. She had like a one of those cardboard things with, with like a human body on it. She's like, "Do you have any pain?" And I and I finally nodded, and then she's like, "Can you point to where?" Like on the seat. And apparently, I pointed at my mum. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah I, don't, I don't really, I don't. I, if like I said, I don't remember London so, um, and so I don't remember. And apparently, in London, I was sort of vaguely communicating but I don't really remember that um I remember like early in Chichester and then I could and I said a few words um apparently apparently it was 53 days before I spoke for the first time so, yeah. just going back guys um in the initial contact Frank he actually sent me a little clinical report so Matt it, it, it would it would suggest that you actually impacted directly onto your onto your head from the fall um given your injuries you said there was intraventricular uh, extradural hemorrhage and subarachnoid hemorrhage and um Matt then underwent a decompression um after I don't know after how long in Royal London but I'm sure I'm, you probably don't remember that Matt but um your mom might have filled you in that they had to put some kind of sensors um 
kind of almost into your brain from your skull to to uh, to keep an eye on the pressures within your brain because of the injuries you had sustained um yeah. pressures that were there and obviously this pressure can be extremely dangerous yeah everyone always talks about the bolt in my head Apparently yeah. it was like frankenstein but there's a bolt in my head and i guess it was that <laughs> yeah but yeah like i said i don't remember anything from, from um yeah but i've been told a lot of times about the about the bolt in my head the frankenstein bolt yeah. Um, I'll just give you a, a very quick, Matt, because you're, you're obviously very interested in this. Um, I'll give you a very quick synopsis of, of what we did and why we did it, most importantly. Um, so, first of all, London as Air Ambulance would have been called because it said this call was a fall from height, which is uh, when it's over uh, one floor on. Um, it's an automatic dispatch for us. So, uh, trauma epidemiology would... Uh, trauma epidemiology's history would suggest that if you fall from more than one height, you're likely to sustain um, significant injuries. And this is the people that we want to get to and treat um, when you're in London's air ambulance because of the extra skills, um, medications, and experience that you can bring to a scene. Um, so you don't come in and take over the scene. You come in and just help your colleagues from the London Ambulance Service. So in your uh, situation, Matt, so you were deeply, deeply unconscious with a significant head injury and what, as Owen said, with a secondary brain injury evolving underneath um, as the seconds tick by. So in your circumstance, it's very important to, to be able to almost control the oxygenation and blood flow around your body. Um, so injuries to the brain when they happen, they're very, very sensitive to low levels of oxygen and low levels of blood supply, so what we call hypoxia and hypertension, and also to low levels of carbon dioxide. And because you had some trismus and your breathing was a little bit erratic, that would affect the oxygen flow to your brain. So what we went and done is we give you an anesthetic, so same as you would have in the operating theatre, albeit a little bit quicker uh, and a little bit uh, probably riskier. Um, because it's on a on a dark uh, path outside a pub in Camden Stable Market at uh, eleven o'clock at night. Um, so then, once we give the anaesthetic, what what we're able to do then is it's called intubation. So then we pass a, a tube into your into your windpipe, and what we're able to do then is we're able to control your ventilation. So the drugs that you were given essentially would um, paralyze every muscle in your body. Uh, including your lungs. So basically the drug we give you would stop your breathing and then we would take over your breathing. And the benefit of that is then you're able to maintain uh, a person's oxygen levels and carbon dioxide levels more essentially um, to prevent any further injury to the brain um, and to prevent any more um, increased pressure in the brain. So increased ICP, which in your extent, because of the injuries you sustained, is, is certainly the last thing you want and, you know, uh, I think the, the, the night that you sustained your injury, it was, uh, you were in, certainly in the right place at the right time. Um, I'm sure, Matt, that you're interested to know that you sustained an injury similar to Michael Schumacher. Oh. Um, and unfortunately, uh, for several different reasons, you know, Michael Schumacher, is, he, he didn't do too well from it. Um, um, so I think the mixture of you know, the treatment that you were given initially by the London Ambulance Service, they were able to kind of maintain your airway a little bit. And then 
consequently the treatment from London's air ambulance, but also, and more importantly, the treatment from the Royal London, uh, their intensive, their their ED department, their intensive care department, and further down the, the line of the trauma system, the rehabilitation service, because this is the part that's amazing and inspiring, um, that you had to learn to walk again, learn to talk again, and now you're skiing, which is, uh, which is amazing. Um, so I hope it just gives you a little insight. And if you have any questions, please, uh, please ask. Um, but essentially that's what we did that night. So we were a very small part. Uh, we were there at the right time, thankfully, and we were able to get you down to the Royal London where they were able to, to give you, um, the exact treatment that you needed. I think you're probably the main part. <laughs> no, we are, um, I'm sure Owen will explain a bit more about trauma systems and certainly trauma systems in the UK. Um, you know, pre-hospital care is a small part of it. It goes right from prevention right through to rehabilitation. So there is a huge, um, there's huge different parts of a trauma system. And we are, we are but a small part, but an essential part. But the main part, because when I, when I, when I, went, when I went to, when I went to Royal London uh, for a video for uni, um, I spoke to Frank and I said to him, I was like, would I have been skiing if it wasn't for the, um, the air ambulance and he said probably not so it's that you're like you're like the, you're like the best person in the world so, so yeah like because if i wasn't skiing i'd be i'd be sad <laughs> uh yeah it was uh, myself and dr louisa chan um who i think still works down in hampshire or the isle of wight not sure and obviously our colleagues from london uh, london ambulance service as well and so it was a team effort yeah, thank you to you all. <laughs> That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And just to Mike's point, uh, Matt, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even survive uh, the injury load that you sustained that night. So um, it was like, as, as, as Mike said, you know, that you were in the right place at the right time. Uh, you were you're a fighter and we're just about we're just about to drill into that into that rehabilitation journey because I think that's pretty, pretty special. But also, um, yeah, it's prompt treatment all the way through the system, which is which is which is fantastic, um, absolutely fantastic. So, so Matt, just coming into your into your rehabilitation, um, obviously you've got to learn, relearn everything. So you've got to relearn how to talk, how to walk, how to eat, how to do all the daily tasks of life, all all the way from scratch. Um, how slow was that process? Was was it was it days, weeks, months, years? Uh, well, because I always say to everyone that to relearn everything apart from blinking and breathing, which is pretty much true. Um, and, and yeah, it's, um, it's kind of, I kind of think it's still ongoing because, because I kind of, because I always say to everyone that, uh, that I like, because yeah, obviously I train so much now, like with gym and uh, physio and I have amazing physios. Um, and so, so I, I kind of want to keep, keep going and keep trying. I'll, t I'll tell you about my goals at the end. But, um, but yeah, so, um, and it was, so, so my mum sent me an email and my mum was really good. She was, she was really, like, whenever, whenever there's no like official physio, she's always, she's always like chief physio. So she's really good. So yeah, need, to, need to say that because she always says I'm mean to her. But, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, so it wasn't until, so I was, I said my first, um, I said my first words, I think after 53 days 
and then I and it was, I was really really slow and muddled. Um, I had really bad memory. So like the the thing which I but one thing which I do remember, and because and people have told me about this, my mom told me this, and the video and so on. But because um, I remember um, one of my good friends I used to work with on, in the Silly Isles, teaching windsurfing and sailing. He I went with him to watch a ski event um, before the accident, maybe like probably before the accident, and we saw um, my favourite skier at the time, Jakob Wester, and um, and so and I was like, oh, Jakob's so good, and he won the event. And then, and then, so when I was in the coma, my friend wrote to Jakob and got him to send a, a signed photo. And so, and then, and then that arrived when I was, when I sort of just started talking and my memory was really bad. And I kind of, I, I got it. And then that, and I was still in the, in the clinic with like everyone, like just in the general clinic in Chichester. And apparently, apparently every single time someone went past into my bed, I was like, have you seen my, have you seen this, have you seen my signed thing? And apparently, apparently I just said to everyone like, thousands of times so yeah so i mean that was pretty bad a pretty bad memory <laughs> it, was, it was amazing but, but my memory is pretty bad um and then i think my speech was not great um like i said i took my first steps uh in march which is I was supported by two physios when I did that so yeah um yeah and, and I, I i i still i said i can kind of do everything that i like so in in confinement in in france was pretty strict but I, but I always recently, I always, I always, uh, I always tried to walk at least five kilometers every day, and then sometimes more, whatever. And then, uh, like the other day, I walked with my friend. I walked from Chamonix up to up to Latour, which is where I live. So that's like it took us like five five and a half hours, and it's uh, it's for 50, 15 kilometers or something, um, and it's up like four hundred fifty meters. So wow. so that I did it all unsupported. So yeah, so that's. That sort of, but it, yeah, but it, but it, I still don't walk great. So that's what I'm saying. So like, so like, the rehab has sort of progressed at different stages. But I think, I think everyone will say that I talk too much now. So the speech worked <laughs> pretty well. That's, no, listen, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. When I first was was awake, I was um, I was in a, in a wheelchair. You got pushed around in, and I I was pretty floppy, like. If, like my like I was really weak um then so I went from wheelchair you got pushed around in then wheelchair you could wheel yourself and then walking frame and then and, and then I remember and then they said to me they said to me oh then you're like this next bit because you use poles and they're, they're like ski poles and I was like well can't I just use my ski poles <laughs> so, so I got I took my old ski pole and I put little rubber things on the bottom and then I was walking with a ski ball, so I like I felt really cool when I had when I was, <laughs> felt like a bit more like a skier. So that was, that was fun. But yeah, it was it was all really like kind of gradual. But I guess maybe it wasn't, but it feels really gradual. And was that rehabilitation mat in uh, in a hospital close to home? Then was was that uh, near where you lived? Yeah, yeah, it's close to my parents' place in Chichester, and it, and it was I think I was really lucky actually because it was a uh, it was a neurological rehab center, whatever. So, so yeah, so like, but then while I was there, because I was 23 when the accident happened, um, so I was there 23, um, and I was, and, and, and again, you guys probably know, but in, in, in neurological places, it's mainly, it was, it was, it was it seemed to mainly be people who had strokes. So, like, everyone else was a lot older and stuff, like, 
So yes, I was just twenty three year old me who falling through a roof and all these other people who had strokes and stuff. But they're really nice and the staff and everything, the nurses were really nice there. That's fantastic. 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 So, so you're learning to, uh, you're learning to walk again. You've learned to talk. Um, when did you decide that actually, um, it's now high time to get back on some skis and or snowboard? Uh, oh, 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 skis. 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 Apologies. <laughs> um, no, no, no. So that was cool. So that was cool. Um, no, uh, yeah. Apparently, uh, it was way. I think it was maybe the second thing I said to my mum when I could talk was when get back on skis. Like, yeah, like literally. And because when I when I was in in the rehab centre, because uh, obviously I was a lot younger, so that they gave me like my own like room and I had a little <clears throat> I had a little DVD player with TV and stuff. So I used to watch I used to watch ski movies just all the time. So I was like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back on skis, and because I, I knew, I knew that skiing would be a lot easier than walking because, like, no one really understands. I'm, you know, no matter how good you are at walking, <laughs> you don't really, you know, you don't really understand. Like, you just kind of do it because you've done it for so long, like as a kid. So, but then with skiing, I remember, I vaguely remember learning to, learning it when I was a kid, and I remember learning to teach how to do it. So I understand a lot more. The, like logistics of it and like how it works um so, so like in my head i've always known that skiing would be easier than walking um and also i kind of it sounds bad but i kind of wanted to ski more than i wanted to walk and, and also like yeah um yeah so yeah so i just i just knew that i'd, I'd want to do it and so like literally from right from the beginning i was just like because I, I watched, I had saw so much, you know, I, I love skiing and I love watching it and doing it and everything. So, but freestyle skiing, not, you know, so it's, it's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, yeah, so I was just, I was just, I was, and also, like, I'm I'm pretty annoying. Um, and, and I think after that, even more so, like, kind of when I get something in my head, which probably helped with my rehab, but when I get something in my head, I just sort of bang on about it forever. So I was just like, I think everyone knew there was no way I wasn't going to get back on skis because I was just so stubborn and pretty annoying. That's fantastic. No, absolutely. So, so Matt, um, when you when you did get back on skis, was the muscle memory stroke right there? Did you did, could you could you really activate that prior learning? Uh, well, like it was like I mean, obviously it wasn't exactly I wasn't like popping three sixties or whatever, but it was but it was still. But like, like I was really lucky because my 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 physio in in uh, in the rehab unit, she then she she then left the NHS at that uh, when I left, so she could be my video. Lisa, she's really good. Um, and her and her friend was married to a ski instructor. So on the on the uh, the day after the anniversary of the of the accident, so a year and a day from the accident, I. Uh, I went up to, I got taken up with my mum and Lisa, went up to Milton Keynes, you know, the indoor snowdome, and uh, had a little go. And then, you know, I could, I, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't great, but it was like, it was amazing. It was probably the best ski of, of my life. You no, know, it was just, it's like really, really slow down thing, but it was, it was really, really good. Um, yeah, and it was, yeah, and I mean, I'm, but I definitely knew, I de- definitely, I kind of like 
kind of like confirmed my thoughts. Like obviously I wasn't gonna be great because I could I think I think then I was still using mainly using a walking frame. So I was sort of skiing before I could really walk. But um but yeah, but uh, but, yeah, but like but it, like it was it's all still there. Even now, like in my head, I'm still a like I'm still a good skier, not as like then obviously in reality I don't, I mean, I can, I can do anything. I ski anything, but I, but I don't ski it quite as fast as I would like to. And I can't like, I get a bit frustrated because I see little, little tiny little jumps and stuff, but before that's not, I've just done a little, little thing off, but I can't, I have to, I last, the last second, I think, oh, I can't do that now. <laughs> so I have to like, turn quick. Yeah, but yeah, but it's, uh, but it's definitely true that skiing is, for me, is, is easy than walking, so. Fantastic. That's fantastic. That's probably true for me and Mike, though. In our heads, we're probably way better than we, we are when, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to reality. Um, I'll speak for myself on that one, actually. But In uh, all aspects of life. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but that's, um, that, Mike, that's fantastic. So, so you get back on skis and, you know, the muscle memory's there. You start, to, you start to ski before you can truly walk, which is amazing. Um, and so just quickly run us through the, um, a little story around how you got in touch with one of your sort of one of your uh, mentors and or idols um, to then sort of um, you, you, you got you, you got a coat, did you not? And and you started to um, really start to, 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 to focus on on getting better at skiing. Just run us through this little story, because I think this is fascinating. So that 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 was amazing, um, and it, unfortunately, he's so okay. So there's a skier called C.R. Johnson, and he was like one of the best in the world. And he was so good, like competition skier, everything. But unfortunately, um, in maybe uh, a few years before my accident, he had he had a head injury, um, and like when he was filming, he's it was just a freak accident and had a head injury. And had a similar sort of thing to me, um, but, uh, but he actually got back to being able to ski, not competitively, but in well, he did, he did, he did finish third in, the, in an accident. Anyway, so, anyway his name was C.R. Johnson, and he was a, a great skier. Um, and he then, unfortunately, I think in two thousand ten, he had another accident and, and died. Um, so, but he was, he was, he was like, he was the main. He still is the main inspiration behind my recovery because I was like, I wanted to ski more than anything. I had an injury. See, I was the same, and um, yeah. So he, so he was his big inspiration. And then, so the first Christmas I was out of hospital, um, because um, see, I had died uh, the year before, um, and uh, and and so my parents got me a a CR Johnson um, memorials jacket. By a, by a ski brand who I now write for, but anyway, doesn't matter. Um, uh, yeah, and so I got this memorial jacket, and there were some words in it. We didn't really know what they were, um, and it's it's not even like a. Well, it's like in effect, it's like it's not really like a, a word, but it's a brand. It's a word that C I used to say, and C I was because basically. So sorry, I'm going really out, out everywhere, but um, and so C I after his head injury. Uh, his therapist had told him that um, that like sewing and stuff would help his dexterity, and because he wasn't quite strong enough to compete as he wanted before, I, his sisters told me that apparently he was 
it was going to start um, doing it, um, doing uh, like a, like a sewing, doing like an outerwear company, like like clothing, ski clothing company. Um, and so he was making, he so he designed jackets, and the jacket I got for Christmas was was a, a replica of the first jacket he made. But then, so this is skipping quite a few spaces. But then, then when I was studying sports journalism. Um, uh, in 2009, no, 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 2016, maybe, <laughs> yeah, I and mean, I, I was in California doing a work experience, um, because in the jacket, okay, sorry, <laughs> up and down, but, but in, in the jacket, there's the words, and my mum didn't really know what they, well, no one knew what those words meant, so my mum emailed Armada, who were the people that made the jacket, um, and they, and they said they didn't really know, so they put him in contact with, with CR's friend, this guy called Roy Tuscany, who runs a, a charity for injured skiers, um, for like um, mainly spine injuries, but head injuries as well. So, um, so they can get back to skiing, and and also and also they run programs to like for like health, for like safety and stuff, so that people don't have the injuries in the first place, you know, with helmets and stuff and. Those sort of things. Um, okay, and then, and then, and so for my for my sports journalism degree, my last year work experience, I went out to California and and did a little did a bit of work experience with high fives, and I and then I stayed with I when I was in California, I stayed at CR's sister's house, and then on my birthday. Um, so, so CR was finishing his second jacket when he, but unfortunately, never got to finish it because um, he had a second accident and died. But then, for my thirtieth birthday, Khalil, who's his sister, took the jacket, finished the sewing using CR's sewing machine, and gave it to me. Wow! So that, wow. Yeah, that's, that's wow! Cool. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so, you've got this legendary ski jacket, which is now you're you're wearing. Um, and so you decide to do to go for your first backflip or forward flip or so okay so so again back to the back to uh, uni as when I went back to study sports and so I went to write about skiing um, or free skiing and I and so I said to so I I I mean like for our final assessment we had to make a video. Um, and then my lecturer was like, and it has to, it has to be like a 10 to 12 minute video about, about sport. And my lecturer was like, I'll do it about yourself and about skiing and stuff. Because there's so much, there's so much in like, even back then in my story, but with skiing and then marathons and Olympic torches and everything. Um, and uh, yeah, so so uh, I thought I've got to have like a finale of the, of the video. So um um, I obviously talked a little bit about the about the incident, about the accident. I went that's when I spoke to Frank Jagger at Royal London, um, and then uh, yeah, and then so did did all the speaking there and talk about the skiing and then interviewed some skiers here, like the lady that that taught me Magali, who taught me to ski when I was younger and retaught me to ski at twenty four. So yeah, that was cool. Um, and then, but then I, I need a finale. So what I did, so remember, remember Jakob, the guy that's the Jakob Wester, the guy that sent me the the 
son thing that I was telling all the nurses about <laughs> in hospital. So I, he lives in Chamonix, in the winter lives in Chamonix. And I, so I went and, so I contacted him. I was like, hey, Jacob, uh, can you do me a massive favor? <laughs> um, so, because um, at the end of my video, I told him about the video, like, the video I kind of wanted to do, so, so before the accident, I, you know, I was pretty good skier. I was a qualified park and pipe instructor, so I, I could I could do a few a few tricks. But I always always wimped out doing a backflip, and I was always like, oh no, I don't, I don't do it. I've got plenty of time. I'll do, I'll do it next year. Like, there's like airbags and stuff. Like, oh, I'll I'll try it next year. But then obviously I had the accident, so so I was like, right, okay, I'm gonna I I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna contact Jacob. I'll go to the there's a in Bremel, the, the place near in Chamonix, there's a there's an airbag, so you can jump and it's you know it's pretty safe. And so I went there and I wore CR's jacket because I wanted him to like wanted to have him like cheer me on. <laughs> um, and then and then so I went there. Um, I'd, but unfortunately though, I only got one attempt because because when we were there because I don't want to keep Jacob there all day. Um, and then the guy, the the, the French guy wanted to go for lunch. So I only had one go on the airbag. So I almost got it, but I've, so I still haven't been back and tried. So I'm going to try again. But. That's fantastic. Man, that's absolutely fantastic. And it's just a true testimony to your, you know, your, your, your will and your determination really and your mindset. So let's just, let's just look at that for a second, actually, um, Matt, because one thing me and Mike were talking about really is about mindset and what sets people apart from not only, um, a successful rehabilitation is um, is is their mindset and their approach to rehabilitation and their their cognitive determination. So, just so, did you um, have you always been driven and you, have you always sort of put goals in front of you to to achieve things? Um, before the accident, and I've always, like I said, I've always been stubborn, but I think before the accident. Things just kind of happened, so I was just I was like I was like I was like I was pretty laid back, and you know I was just like oh yeah I'll go do that, and then maybe that happened. But I've I've always liked sport, and I've always done I've always I've always been decent at sport. Um, but but the, the the like the main thing, which I said one, the main thing is that with this accident, it's basically almost like a like a like a like a free attempt, and I, I like. I'm free to try anything because I'm not expected to do anything. So like, that's why I like set these big goals because not like if I don't do it, then no one expected to do it. But then I try really hard to do it because it's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like, like I did, uh, like the, probably the biggest thing was, yeah. So obviously there's a, the ski, the, the backflip, just haven't quite got, so I'm going to go back to that. There was um, my first goal was to because basically my mum used to have a BMW and then she and then she was allowed to nominate someone to do the Olympic torch, carry the torch, and I carried that. And so my first goal that was obviously pretty cool. <laughs> and but my first goal was to walk unaided for three hundred meters so I could carry the Olympic torch. I was a bit worried about carrying fire when I was pretty shaky, but yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, so that and then obviously the first one was skiing. That was a year and a day. So so skiing, Olympic torch, uh, and then um, and then uh, and then I don't really know chronologically this is right, but and then 
And I thought, okay, I've done 300 meters. So I'm going to do a marathon. So, because again, like no, and people were like, oh, why don't you do like a 10K first or whatever? And I was like, no, no, I'm going to do a marathon. Because I kind of think that although my balance and stuff is not so great, like there's not, then like, I can do anything that like anyone else can do. So I'm like, I wanted to prove that. So I was like, I'm going to do a marathon. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and, but it was cool though, because I did it with, uh, I made it with my friend Sam because he he does he does Ironmans and marathons and stuff. So and I was like, "Where's the flattest one?" He's like, "Oh yeah, Amsterdam." So I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna do it." Because I didn't want to go up hills because I'm not good at going. I'm not, I'm good at going uphill. I'm not good at going downhill. So I thought I want to go to flat one. So and this was 2014, um, and so we went into marathon, and this it was amazing. I had so my brother was living in Switzerland at the time, and he surprised me, just like the day before but then when i was when i was walk, when i so i started the marathon that morning and then i set off and obviously everyone went <laughs> ran away when I, me and my friend when i was like hobbling and my friend was like walking late one time but then throughout the throughout the trip uh, my brother came and then uh then i had some friends from england who who surprised me and popped out and so and so then like our 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 team grew and we, there was like It'd be like 10 of us now walking the marathon. And then and my friends, well, my best friend, or well, my best friend in Geneva, um, and his girlfriend, um, and then his sister and her, her boyfriend joined us as well. So that was like, by the end of it, we, we was like pitch, pitch black. And it was like, so maybe like 13, 14 of us. Oh, I don't know how many, I don't know how many of them there are, but I mean, we were all like walking the marathon. And then, um, and then my brother's girlfriend got them to reopen the because the marathon finished in the Olympic Stadium, and so and that was like and obviously the like cutoff point is like I don't know like six seven hours, and I was like and but I went so I wanted to finish in the stadium, so my brother's girlfriend went ahead and got them to reopen it, and so I got like a private like finish in the in the Olympic Stadium. I got and my friends got some toilet paper and held it across like a finish line, like in <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, and then so I got, so I got like a private. So that that was that was even like I think that was better than like if I'd won it, like because it was like it was really private. It was like it was it was floodlit and everything. My friends were there, and it was that was pretty cool. So, well, yeah. that's amazing. So you actually, you know, you completed a marathon after after waking up in a hospital bed in 2011, not being able to talk, walk. You could only just move your right your right fingers. And and so now you learn to ski, you run a marathon, you've attempted a backflip, uh, you've you know you've started, you've got you've got command of your speech again. So all these faculties through through your sheer determination. What would you say, Matt, to anyone who is who, who is on that rehabilitation journey uh, themselves? Uh, just just out of sort of uh, words of encouragement and or insight. I, I would honestly, I would say, um, see, I know that I'd be, I was pretty lucky with the way that my injury was, that it didn't affect so much my thinking and stuff, um, which I'm really grateful for. And obviously, we're really grateful with like my parents and family and friends and stuff and busy. Um, but I would say the best, like the, the best advice would be you just give everything a go, just try it because. No one, no one's really gonna like be disappointed or have a go at you if you don't achieve your goals. Just sort of set 
and I maybe this is not about everyone, but I would say just set big goals because then yeah, then then you're you know if if you don't get that, then you might get one underneath. But if you want to really just really go out, go all out for the for the big ones, um, like I said, it's like a it's like a free pass. No one really expects you to do to do uh, like well be able to do a lot of things. So yeah, so it's just uh, yeah, just, just just go for it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But then maybe that's bad about something. <laughs> And I think what this does, Mike, for you, for you, sort of seeing the fruition of your care early on, uh, mate. So the, just the critical intervention, the timely intervention, and just um, and then the fruition. Speaking to Matt now, nine years later, what does that what does that do to you, or for, or, or to, what, what does it make you think about about the the role um, as a as a as a paramedic? Um. Yeah. It's. Uh... It was amazing uh, to hear back and when I seen your video and firstly when I seen the video and then I seen your name um the wobbly journalist um I did I did have to chuckle and obviously I seen your inspiring um but yet lighthearted approach to your to your recovery and rehabilitation and your sheer determination um you know it's 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 amazing um Going back to the actual incident, absolutely, we were an integral part and the timely procedures that we did um, have definitely had an impact and, you know, possibly prevented from any worsening secondary brain injury because, um, you know, as I said earlier, um, time really can make a difference into certain procedures that are that are instigated in head injuries. Um, but again, I do go back to the trauma, complete trauma system from the pre-hospital care to the rehabilitation. It's all links into each other. Without one, um, the other would not be able to, um, to exist. So it's testament to the London trauma system, um, to the London Air Ambulance, but also to the London Ambulance Service. Um, that's, that's got you to where you are today. And, you know, shout out to your mom as well. Um, She's writing a book currently. I don't know what it's called, but I believe it's 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 regarding obviously a parent of a brain injured child, which I'm sure would be a, an absolute revelation to a lot of mums and dads out there, because Owen will tell you we have seen a lot of brain injuries throughout our career um, that haven't unfortunately done as well as you, or had had, had injuries that were a lot more severe. Um, or may have not been as severe, but unfortunately the timely interventions weren't there. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, and secondly, um, I'm, I'm hoping that Owen will agree, but uh, maybe we should set a date for the future when you want to practice your next backflip. Uh, maybe myself and Owen could pop out to supervise and uh, be on standby there. Yeah, yeah, easy, yeah, definitely. We, we, could, um, we could definitely do that. And, and we, we we could have um, any analgesia in the form of alcohol ready and waiting, <laughs> should you need it. You'd have to take us for some apres ski, uh, Matt. You know, you know all the good places. Um, yeah, so absolutely uh, an honour and a privilege to to meet you again and and speak with you, Matt. And I'm you know more than. Uh, more than happy at any time to speak to a, a patient, especially one as as uh, determined and aspiring as you. 
Um, it's great to see. And I will be honest with you, it kind of gives me a lift within my profession. Um, a lot of the time we don't get to connect and speak with past patients and we, you know, they just, uh, we don't get any communication. So we, we always wonder what happened to them. So it's, uh, it's, it's really good for us. And me personally, um, to know that I made a difference and to see how well you're doing. So thank you. And it's, a, it's an honor to meet you. Well, thank you very much. And yeah, like I say, like, I, I probably wouldn't be alive or walking or whatever, but mainly skiing. So, so I want to say thank you for, for skiing. <laughs> you know, more than welcome, man. I think it's, it's, uh, it's just amazing to see you on the ski slope from your, um, from your video. And I know that Owen will post the video. Um, uh, he will post a link to the video for, for the audience to see, but how free and, uh, slick and, uh, how, how well that you ski, um, and obviously, I know that you said that your walking isn't perfect, but when you're on the ski slopes, then it's like, I, su I suppose it feels like you're, you're just completely free and it makes you forget anything. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. It's, it's, the most, it's the most normal I feel after the accident. Because it's like, obviously, I'm not, I'm not, not like nowhere near as good as I was before, but it's still like, you know, I can, I can, like, I don't look that differently. So I just so put my, so it's funny like I kind of I kind of struggle up with my camera skis I struggle to get up the stairs with my ski boots and poles and skis or whatever and then I get on the on the lifts and stuff and I got a lot of friends in like who run the lifts and sometimes they like they always say they make a big fuss whatever and they say hi whatever um and people are probably like oh yeah what's this guy doing but then I put my skis on and I click in and I'm just like off I go <laughs> but yeah, like obviously not 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 as quick as before, but I've still, it's pretty, uh, yeah, just, I, can, I just feel I like, I feel more, much more natural. I'm better, yeah. much better at skiing than walking. So it's kind of fun. Listen, that's a fantastic story uh, from start to finish guys. And uh, just to see, like you say, the fruition, it, as just to Mike's point, just as we come into land now, um, it just really encourages us um, and in pre-hospital care and as clinicians that to see the fruition of, of, of someone who's making the most of their life, who's as determined and as focused as ever, and who's really just, just, just affecting their, their own future and others future for, for good. So Matt, it's an, in, an, an entire blessing just to, just to hear your story, to hear where you are now and, and, and where you're going. So yeah, thanks for telling it today. Oh, do, do you want to hear my, my, my next three goals? Yes. Yeah. Let's finish. Let's finish with your 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 next three goals. Absolutely. I I don't know how realistic they are. Well, they're a little bit of direct, but they're they're pretty uh they're pretty ambitious. So so first one. So before the accident, I was I was working in a bar in Courchevel, in France, and I didn't have any money to get back on to get back. <laughs> so I I I said I was going to cycle. So I borrowed my friend's dad's bike and cycle back so cycle back from Courchevel to England and so that's you know all the across France um and so now my goal is I want to do that again I'm not really sure how good I'm at cycling but I've got a well, while there's no there's no like time scale on these but I'm, I'm just going to learn to cycle and then and cycle from Courchevel to England the second one is because I still can't run so I'm learning to run um I've got really really good videos here in Germany so like Neil and Marlin, they're really, really good. Um, and so I'm going to hopefully learn, I'm sort of vaguely learning to jog 
and, and, then, and then I'll be able to I want to do the Amsterdam Marathon again. At least I want to do it under five hours. So that's I need to know how to run. Um, or just drop. Um, and the last one, which I, I don't know, I like, I don't think my, like, I don't know if my, my, my dad is that happy about this one. I don't even know, may not even know it, but my uncle is to row across the Atlantic. So just, just three small goals then, nothing too, nothing yeah. too crazy. No worries, you knock them out in 18 months, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing, that's amazing. That is amazing, uh, Matt. That's truly amazing, and um, I think it's good that you've got no timelines associated with those, so, so they can, you know, they can occur, you know, just it, just as and when you're ready, which is yeah, which is. I say to my friend in England, I would read the Atlantic by the time I'm 35, and this I made this I made this that bet with him like years ago, like five years ago. So I do kind of need to get one out. One 35, and I'm 33 in like two times so so it's two years okay okay so you need to get a shift on okay yeah. which is fine which is absolutely fine. well me and me and uh, michael be waiting with bated breath to see how you're getting on with those goals yeah, absolutely and uh someday we will hopefully see you do that backflip yeah no yeah, yeah definitely, definitely be there to witness it you guys are invited so thank you man thank you thanks for your time today guys You're listening to the Pre-Hospital Care Podcast on the Medics Academy Network.